King of Kings. Jesus is coming back. Amen. Then when the king shall reign and rule from Jerusalem, there shall be peace. Hallelujah. When the king of peace. Glory to God. I did want to kind of build on that and share a bit of a word with you this morning. And you will bear with me in some time. I'm going to be shorter, I hope, I intend to be. But I do want to share a few words. And so in light of this, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Thank you, Dina, for, the, for that. And uh, yes, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that's our hope. Hallelujah. I want to speak just briefly about a word that is not popular with today's generation, especially not in the West anyway, when you talk about it. But it's something that the Lord was put upon my heart and I was deeply convicted by, to be honest with you, as I was pondering afresh this particular thought and especially this particular word. And it's the word that we find in Scripture, well, actually not in Scripture, but we find examples of it, and it is one in one or two places, but it's the word duty. Duty. You see, when we hear that word duty, there can be a variation of responses that we can react to, to this particular word, duty. Because I'd love to say that in life everything's just um, uh, uh, a joy, but, you know, there's a duty. The Bible says that Jesus, before the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. In other words, uh, he foresaw, but he knew what was his duty to do. Amen. And there's issue, this issue of duty that relates to the kingdom of God this morning that we have to be mindful of, and especially how it applies to us, because... What's the first thought that comes to your mind when you think of the word duty? Think about it. Does it make us maybe feel a little uncomfortable? Because the reality is, is it should. Duty. Define duty means an act or course of action that is required. It is the compulsion felt to meet an obligation. God forbid that we would speak like that today's generation here in Australia where everyone's kind of free to do as they want. But no, we're talking about duty this morning, and we're going to look at it just briefly in the context of the Word of God, because we have a duty to God, first and foremost, as children and as Christians, and then we have a duty to our fellow men in order to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is captured for us in Paul's words, because Paul understood the issue of duty. And so I just want to refresh our minds to this. And so some may say, well, you're going to make us feel guilty, Pastor. My intention is not to make you feel guilty. But if you're convicted this morning, then praise the Lord. Okay? I'm not here to put anyone under a guilt trip. I'm here to share the Word of God and preach the Word of God. And if the Lord would convict us as He convicted us, then so be it. Amen? Let us respond to the Lord this morning. So let's read from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And uh, we're going to just pick up from verse 16, Paul's words here. He says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. 
For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. What is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I become as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law as without law, not being without law towards God, but under the law towards Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I become as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body. Bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. You see, Paul understood duty this morning. And in doing so, we understand the great, we refer to it as the Great Commission, where Jesus commissioned his church. His disciples in that first generation, and when the church was birthed in Pentecost, and when Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There was the commission of Christ and the mission that was a, a char- the charge that was given to the church. Only we know that Jesus said that, that they were to wait, they were to tarry in Jerusalem until they were endured with power from on high. Praise the Lord. Because that's, the, that's the, the primary purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is to empower us to be witnesses for Christ. To preach the gospel with boldness, hallelujah, as we ought to in the face of threats and opposition as we've just heard today. And so, you know, we just get a bit of abuse down on the streets, amen. And uh, that's what we get when we go and preach Christ. But uh, in some of these other places, uh, you have to be very, very mindful, very careful Otherwise, who knows what could happen? You could lose your life. But that's the nature and that's the duty in which we are to serve our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have to understand the issue of missions. We have to understand the purpose of the church and the purpose and plan of God that relates to the preaching and proclamation and propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning. One man said, people who don't believe in missions have not read the New Testament. Right from the beginning, Jesus said that the field is the world. The early church took him at his word and went east, west, north, and south. And surely it did. The Bible says that, that on the, you shall be witnesses unto me in Judea, Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. And so it begins at home, and then out of that it begins to t- track itself, uh, and this is the responsibility that we have. And so the question is, has the mission changed? No. What are w- what's our role in the mission? What are we doing to facilitate the mission? And I don't mean just by way of tokenism and we support various missions and praise the Lord for that. 
But I'm talking more actively and more involved in the way in which we are employed, I guess, or about the business of the kingdom of God. And so I'm asking us to examine our own hearts before the Lord this morning. And the, the text that we have chosen, that which has been written for us, kind of gives us a challenge and uh, enlightens our minds. And look, if you look at verse 16, there are some key words here. For he says, if I preach the gospel, Paul says, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Necessity is laid upon me. Me, he says this word necessity. There is a constraint that, that 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 word implies that he feels the burden. There is a sense of uh, distress in almost because he's con- he's so uh, caught up in the fact that he must he must preach the gospel. Necessity is laid upon me. In other words, it rests upon him. He feels the burden of it. Now, he's not motivated by guilt. He's not motivated by any of these things, as we will uh, see in a moment. But he says uh, this is something that the Lord had put upon his heart. That's why he says necessity is laid upon me. Why is it there? Because God put it on his heart. God laid it upon him and said, Paul, this is my plan. This is my purpose. And this is your place uh, in that purpose. And he carried that with him throughout the course of his life as he went about doing the will of God. But it's one we kind of look at Paul and say, oh, that's great for Paul. But hey, what about you and I? What about us? Do you have a sense of necessity? Do you have that sense of it being laid upon you? You see, this is exactly what I was sensing this, this, this week as I was before the Lord. And as I, as I sensed that, I looked and examined some things in my life uh, and I felt uh, the need uh, to make some changes. I said, Lord, I must remain focused. And Paul said, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe is me if I am not about the business of the kingdom of God. And you see, we need to have that. We need to feel the weight of that. We need to sense the burden of that. You can't just be disconnected, disassociated, or just a fleeting thought. This is something that has to consume the heart this morning. It has to be all. It demands all. It requires all. If you're going to follow Christ, you must take up your cross and follow me. The call to Christianity, amen, is not some nominal thing. It is everything. And to neglect this is a travesty before the Lord. It's disobedience to God. I'm talking about our duty this morning. Our duty. You see, if we only see this as duty, though, we're missing the heart of God. You see, necessities laid upon me. Paul understood the heart of God. He understood that God loves all men and desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And so when we begin to see God's heart, when we begin to realize what God's plan and God's purpose is, then we begin to bear the heart of God. 
And that becomes our motivation. That becomes the direct influence in our lives because it's not so much what we do, but it's why we do what we do. And so we have to be mindful of these things. We must align ourselves to the heart of God this morning because the Bible says that God has chosen for the message to be preached. The foolishness of preaching. God has chosen this method, church. How shall they hear without a preacher? Preaching is the vehicle of propagating and advancing the kingdom of God. You see, this mouth, this tongue, and so that's why Paul says we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That, is, that needs to be the burden of our heart. That needs to be the motivating factor of our lives. And Paul had a correct understanding because he says in verse 17, after saying, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. If I, if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. You see, Paul understood the stewardship that God had given him. He understood his responsibility before the Lord. And I know that God's will is different for each of us. But you see, we all have a place. We all have a purpose. And we must be about the Father's business this morning. See, Paul had a correct understanding. He also understood the cross. He understood what it was to be not about me, but about not my will, but your will be done. Because he says in verse 19 that it's part of his service to God. He has a service to man. And in verse 19, he says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And he goes on to elaborate upon that, becoming all things to all men in order to win them. But you see, Paul's life, he, see, he says, I, though I am free, he's not obligated to men, but he's obligated to God. And he understands the purpose and plan of God. And he says, though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to them. That word servant uh, is, is, the, is the Greek word doulos, uh, and it means a slave. Uh, I have willingly become a slave and a servant unto all in order to lead people and win people to Christ. What a disposition. And what we see here is Paul understood the cross. He understood the whole context of self-sacrifice. It's not about me. It's not about my life. It's about him, and it's about others. And this is how the Paul went about doing this, the work of God. Paul called himself in Romans 1, verse 1, he says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. And he knew first and foremost he was a slave unto God, a servant of the Most High. A bond servant. And as a result of that, he was able to submit himself uh, uh, to the Lord and he was able to give himself in service. And he says, uh, many, uh, though I'm being poured out as a drink offering, his life was one that was just giving and giving and giving unto the purpose and plan of God. Now, was this against Paul's will? <laughs> oh, no, amen. You see, Paul was a slave willingly. He said, I'm free from all men. 
I'm not, uh, in, 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 in one sense, I'm not obligated, but in another sense, I'm utterly obligated, entirely obligated. This is my duty. Paul understood his duty. That's why he took upon himself this disposition. And it's the disposition of heart that we must have. Hallelujah. We must be willing to serve. We must be willing to become slaves of God and slaves of men. What about me? <laughs> what about you? Verse 24. Let's jump down there. You see, what you see in Paul is a man who was so single-minded, a man who was so single-focused, a man who had one thing that it was obsessing his mind. And we see that the way in which he goes about it because uh, he makes this issue of self-sacrifice, but then he talks about the discipline that is required in order to fulfill the purposes of God. It's one thing to be love, sit here and be moved by emotion. I love it. But you see, it's going to take more than emotion. Can you say amen? We're going to have to do something. There's actions involved. We're going to have to get involved. And this is Paul setting an example for us uh, and how serious this is because Paul's words uh, and his life puts so many of us to shame. When you look at the Lord Jesus and you look at Paul the Apostle and you see the example that he has set, follow me as I follow Christ, he says. And we look at his life and, we, and he says, follow my manner of life. And what we see is a man who was so single-minded, a man who was so self-disciplined, a man that was made sure that he gave himself entirely to the kingdom of God and the purposes of God. And so he's writing to the Corinthians. He's speaking to the Greeks. So he understands he's going to have to relate to him. So he talks about striving for a crown and he talks about all running in a race. And so he's talking obviously about the Olympic Games as we, as we know them. He's drawing an analogy and he's talking about that. And, uh, and then he's applying that uh, example and he's making an application of it to the Christian, to the Christian life. And, you know, we just had the Olympics this year, didn't we? And I tell you, you hear the stories and you hear the, the testimonies of people. And I look at that and I, I, it, I have to say, I, we, we, I stand amazed in one sense and then I think in another, what a waste. Because they strive for a perishable crown. But you see, these people, they are so self-disciplined that it puts us to shame. These people... They understand self-sacrifice because they give up their social lives as young, young uh, people and they make sure that they, they, they live a rigid, disciplined life from day to day and they're up at four in the morning and they're out there uh, uh, practicing and um, you know, uh, uh, training and doing all that they're doing and they're making sure that they're eating well and they make sure that they're in bed on time and then you know, on the social gatherings, no, they're not there hanging out to 12 because they don't have the time for that because they've got to get up the next morning at 4 o'clock, and they systematically go about and rigidly discipline their lives in such a way for years and years and years to win a medal. I know. We look at it and we go, it's absurd. 
In one sense, it is absurd. But in another sense, when you look at their lives, it is commendable. And if you can harness that and apply that to the Christian life, uh, you are on the road to success. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, I, I, I take that disposition and I do it for an imperishable crown, praise the Lord. But I'm going to live my life in such a way that I'm not going to be distracted and I'm not going to be uh, pulled aside and I'm going to give myself entirely to these things. He says, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. When you read this, you can't not be convicted. You can't sit there and think, oh, well, it doesn't apply to me. Because I tell you now, if you are honest and sincere and examine your heart before the Lord, there are areas of our lives uh, that are not right, that are not in tune, that are not as they ought to be. I'm talking about the discipline of reading our Bible, the seeking the Lord, the, of, of prayer. Because it's so easy to get caught up in so many different things. And that we neglect the most very important things of our lives. We're too busy sometimes about our own affairs. We're so busy worrying about, well, what's the latest movie? Who cares what the latest movie? I don't have time for the latest movie. You see, that's how it works. I don't have time for that. I've got a, I'm, I'm, my life is so disciplined, so focused, I don't have room for those things. the latest fashion, the latest music. Who cares what the world's doing? Forget the world. What about the kingdom of God this morning? Are you hearing me this morning? I'm not teaching. <laughs> I preach to myself and I'm preaching to you guys because we need to take stock of these things. It doesn't matter how old you are, amen, we're all running in a race. And like our brother said today, after you've done 40 Ks, you're getting sore. You want to give up. But you've got to keep going. You've got to persevere. You've got to endure. In the midst of the trials and the temptations, as Sam said, you don't pull back. You don't drift away. You go even harder and stronger, and you become focused, and you be about the business of God's kingdom. Young ones. Am I speaking a different language to you? Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? Because what I'm saying is so important. I'm telling you what I'm saying to you. I'm sharing the burden of my heart that white Lord laid upon me. And I was under deep conviction, church. And I'm preaching, not as one who's above you, but with you. And I'm saying to us this morning, what are we doing? What is your duty? What is my duty? And how are we going to go about that duty? Because Paul shows us how. He shows us how it's done. And so if we're going to fulfill our obligations, if we're going to uh, fulfill our duty, then you're going to have to get serious about it. Amen? It's not just going to happen. Somehow it's just going to all come together. You've got to be about the Father's business. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, Paul says, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life 
that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. I mean, you're saying there's rules? Yep, you bet. There are guidelines, there are principles, there are standards, biblically speaking, that we have to be harnessed by and that we must apply to our lives if we're going to become meat for the master's use. Paul writes in Tim to Timothy, and he says, in every house there's vessels, gold, silver, and so forth. But he says uh, that we are to cleanse ourselves uh, and we are to um, uh, uh, examine our hearts, we are to get right with the Lord, that we would become meat for the master's use, prepared for every good work. You see, if, uh, there's a part that we have to play in this. We have to examine our own, our own hearts. We have to consider our own lives. And Paul says, unless we become disqualified. Is it possible to become disqualified? Yes. Disqualified in the sense that God can't use you because your life is not set as it should be. Because our life is not in order as it ought to be. Because we're too busy doing other things uh, and caught up in other things in the affairs of this life to the neglect of focusing and giving ourselves entirely to the work of God. You see, because once we set ourselves and make our focus and take the action that's necessary, then we will become vessels of God, meet for the master's use, and I tell you, Paul, God had a plan and a purpose for Paul. But Paul, as a result of this disposition of spirit, became a mighty, mighty instrument in the hand of God. And I, you can read. I've done it. You can read about men of God and others uh, uh, and women of God over the years. I'm telling you, they're focused, utterly, utterly constrained. Necessity is laid upon them. They're obsessed with doing the will of God, to the degree that it puts me to shame and puts us to shame. And so maybe we need to examine ourselves before the Lord this morning because we have a duty to do the will of God. We are under obligation. We are under orders. We have a mission. Let's pray. Father, we just worship you this morning, Lord. I sense, oh God, your spirit, God, in this place. Lord, let us take serious the mission of world evangelism to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to go into all the world. And God, we're living in a world that's so full of distractions, so full of frivolity, so full of just nonsense, Lord. And unfortunately, we ourselves at times get caught up in it. Oh God, we come with repentant hearts. God, we're going to have to repent. We're going to have to, Lord, re determine. We're going to have to make adjustments in our lives. And as I, I pray, Lord, as we as your people are before you this morning, that we would each examine our own hearts before the Lord, test ourselves through the Spirit of God as you would speak to individual lives. 
And Lord, above all things, that we would go and we would make the necessary changes. We would deal with various issues because we have an obligation unto the Lord. Oh God, I pray that you would seal this word to our heart this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Maybe we can sing a song before we just conclude. I just want to sing Victory in Jesus. Can I just have the music?